Hello, Antioch Church, and welcome to our uh, Sunday worship experience uh, via online and YouTube. These are definitely unprecedented times, and we wanted to take a moment in uh, our weekly schedule and what you are doing throughout the week, and particularly on Sunday, for us to be able to uh, gather together virtually, to be able to uh, worship the Lord together, hear His Word, and just uh, lift our gaze, if but for a moment, off of the circumstances that are surrounding us to uh, Jesus himself. And so before we get into uh, just times of worship, if you could uh, just grab your Bible and, uh, your, and turn it to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 7. And I'm just going to, I want to share just a little bit of what's been on my heart this week as we begin our time of worship. Um, Any time that the Lord met his people, uh, uh, with his people in the Old Testament. So whether that was Abraham, Isaac, uh, Jacob, Moses, or even Samuel, uh, they would each, to commemorate that time that the Lord met them, uh, they would each build an altar or they would set a stone in place. And in that, uh, and, in, and in doing so, they would mark that place and say, uh, this is where the Lord met us and this is how he met us. For me, one of the more significant stories uh, in the Bible that has, that has uh, helped me and encouraged me in this time, it comes out of 1 Samuel chapter 7. I'm not going to read the whole story, um, but part of the story is that the people of God were being um, uh, invaded by uh, basically an enemy uh, country or an enemy people. And in that, the Lord miraculously delivered them. So I want to encourage you to just take some time just to read 1 Samuel chapter 7. But there is this phrase in there, this verse in, in, chapter, in verse 12, where it says like this. It says that Samuel, after the Lord had delivered them, Samuel took a stone and he set it up between Mizpah and Shen. And he named it Ebenezer, saying, thus far, the Lord has helped us. You see, uh, for me, why that holds a lot of significance is because as the people of God were facing uh, uh, opposition, the Lord showed up and he fought their battle for them and, and for the mo- and, and ended up not having to do much, but just to rely and trust in the Lord. And here's Samuel taking a stone and, he's, and he said, Ebenezer, which means thus far, the Lord has helped us. You see, why this means so much to me is because when Lauren and I uh, were were first married, um, one of the things that I wanted to do is to find a stone so that when we began to build our life together, it was a stone that would be a, 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 a mile marker. It was something that I would see in our home. And every time I would take a look at this stone, I would remember thus far, the Lord has helped us. And so the more, this morning, or as you're watching this, I want to uh, call your attention to any stone of remembrance that you have. This rock right here is literally the stone that lays inside of our front door. So as you walk in and you look over to the right, if, when you are uh, over at my house, whenever you get invited over, uh, you will see this stone. And this stone for me, anytime I'm sweeping or anytime I'm walking through the threshold of my front door or anytime I'm walking around is a stone of remembrance for for us that uh, I am reminded thus far the Lord has been with us. Why am I bringing this up? 
Because I think that in this time and in this season, it's very easy for us to uh, forget and be a forgetful people and not remember how far the Lord has brought us. And so today, I want to encourage you, and we've been doing this every single time, but I want you to do something this morning uh, before we get into worship and before we listen to the word of God this morning. And that is going to be that you press pause. And when you press pause, I want you to uh, think about and remember the Lord's goodness and set a stone of remembrance for this morning. You may be watching this and you might still be in your pajamas. You may be watching this and this week was uh, 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 the way that we say it in my house was just a week where you were just in the dumps. Um, or this week for you might have been a great week, a, a week where everything started looking up or, or, or there are various situations that you may find yourself in. But when you press pause, for some of you, it might be you have to go outside and find a rock. For others of you, it might mean that you have to go back into your room, change out of your pajamas and put on some uh, uh, a different set of clothes in order for you to be able to focus in. For some of you, it may be that you need to grab your Bible, your journal, and you just need to set it there because this is going to be a moment where we get to meet with the Lord. And so uh, before you press pause, I want to encourage you to set a stone of remembrance that says, Thus far, the Lord has been with us. And so we've been in this for four weeks, five weeks now. And, as a, and there may not be an end in sight. And I know that there are dates that are being thrown out. But at the end of the day, we know that every day when we wake up and we look at this stone of remembrance, we are able to say, Ebenezer, thus far, the Lord has been with us. So press pause and find your Ebenezer. I hope that time was as fruitful as I've been praying it would be for you. So as we go into a time of worship, uh, set your gaze not on the things that are around you or the circumstances surrounding you, but let's together set our gaze on the Lord.
I will build my life upon your love. Man, I can literally just keep worshiping for a longer period of time. I want to encourage you uh, to continue taking times throughout your week and day to worship the Lord and continue to reorient your gaze toward Him uh, throughout this week. We have a few announcements uh, we want to share with you as you uh, situate yourself and listen uh, to the word today. Here at Antioch, we believe that we are sons and daughters who encounter Jesus, practice his ways, and build his kingdom in our city, nation, and nations of the earth. Though our circumstances have changed, our mission has not. We've been saying that uh, week after week, and therefore uh, we have a few reminders and a couple of new ways. Uh, We want to encourage you to walk uh, out this mission uh, this week. As we consider how we can be sons and daughters who encounter Jesus, we invite you to grow in your relationship with the Lord uh, through our Sunday worship experience. We've also prepared age-appropriate experiences uh, for your kids so that and you can find these out on our church's dedicated uh, YouTube channel. Additionally, uh, we've been diligent in developing uh, devotions for you to personally spend time with Jesus. And you can find these on, uh, by visiting uh, bewithjesus.me. We practice his ways by continuing to attend our life groups. During this time of social distancing, we're encouraging life groups to meet virtually. Again, whether you meet via Zoom or Google Hangouts or any other platform, the point is that your virtual life group be a discipleship communities that practice the ways of Jesus together in neighborhoods throughout our city. Another way we practice his ways is through our giving. We desire to continue to live our calling to be a generous church by meeting the needs of those who have needs in this time of crisis. You can give online or by texting the prompt to the number on your screen. Lastly, we've identified two ways uh, to build this kingdom in our city, nation, and nation of the earth. The first is prayer. We're hosting a daily prayer time from noon to one every Monday uh, through Saturday. We're setting aside this time to contend in prayer and intercede on behalf of our city, nation, and nations of the earth. We've been participating in in daily prayer for the last four weeks, and we're experiencing God answer these prayers in miraculous ways. The second is uh, through serving by reaching out to our neighbors and city with Christ's love. So whether that's giving an outreach card to your neighbors, uh, letting us know how you can meet a need, or as a life group, provide meals uh, for various individuals, we have a way to connect you with those opportunities. This week, we are going to be uh, providing meals for Austin Street Center. So as you give to the mission, know that you are participating in in being able to feed those uh, that are being impacted with no food or a shelter. You may be joining us for the very first time today because a friend, neighbor, coworker either personally invited you or you saw a post on social media inviting you to join us for church. 
We are honored. Let me say that again. We are honored that you would take the time to tune in. And we want to get to know you. So during this time of social distancing, we've uh, specifically created an opportunity for you to get to know more about our church and for us to get to know you. We are calling it Discover Antioch Dallas. Discover Antioch Dallas is going to take place via Zoom today, April 19th at 4 p.m. If you're new, you are cordially invited to be our honored guest. Put it on your calendar and don't miss this time. You can find all of the details for all of the announcements I just shared by going to AntiochDallas.org. Now, let's tune our attention to Pastor Zach as he teaches out of the book of Philippians this morning. Hey, I have loved our times of worship in this season. I really wish we were present physically together. Um, but in, in this season that we're in, it's just been awesome to be able to come together on Sunday mornings, to be able to worship together, and to encounter Jesus together as a community. I was really encouraged by our Easter service. I heard from so many of you how the Lord met with you uh, during the service and from so many how you were able to invite family members or friends who were able to tune in and how the Lord impacted them. So it was so encouraging to see the way that God has been at work in this season. And as we kind of enter into uh, another week of quarantine, I wanted to share with you a couple of thoughts from the heart uh, first, and then we're going to jump into our text from today. Uh, I heard a phrase from a gentleman named Andy Crouch who wrote the book TechWise Family uh, that has really helped me kind of navigate uh, this time that we're in. He used uh, three phrases, one, a blizzard, two, a winter, uh, and three, an ice age. And he said, a blizzard is a storm that comes on unexpectedly. It freezes everything over and you just try and buckle down and get through it and survive. And really the first month of this quarantine for so many of us has been a blizzard as we've just tried to adapt to this new dimension of everything changing. Um, But we're entering into what looks like not just a short season where it's going to be 95 again tomorrow, but it looks like we're entering into a longer season of trial and difficulty. And I just want to acknowledge to you that we are in a hard season as a generation. We are in a hard season as a nation. We are in a hard season as a city. And I just want to acknowledge that not to be a downer or to be pessimistic, but to be realistic. Because I find that when we're realistic, it allows us to really meet with the Lord in that place and not live in denial. And so uh, I like to think of right now, we're entering winter and hopefully it's a short winter. We don't know how long this is going to be, but the difference between a blizzard, a temporary blizzard and winter is you realize winter is a season, right? And in a new season, you have to adjust to new rhythms, not just to survive for a week or two, but a longer term deal. And so even as my family, we were talking this week, my wife and I about what are, what are, if we're going to be in this mode for an extended period of time, what do we need to be doing in our marriage? What do we need? What are the rhythms we need as a family? What do we need in our parenting? What do we need in our relationships with others? What do we need in our relationship with the Lord? And I want to encourage you to think that way. I want to encourage you to have those conversations as we enter into this new time as a church, 
uh, leadership. We've been having those conversations, and I'm excited to see some of the things that we're going to be able to press forward in our mission, even though the ways we have done things has drastically changed over the month. And I love that you are a part of that. So we're moving from kind of blizzard where we're just trying to get through to realizing we're in a winter, an extended period of time. Now, an ice age is much longer than a season. It's, it's a number of years. And hopefully this is not an ice age, but we will trust the Lord and cross that divide when we come to it. But in this winter season, we're going to continue focusing in here on Sunday mornings on encountering Jesus, on worship and prayer and God's word, and just hoping to meet with the Lord because we know that he wants to meet with us. We want to create some avenues, some some other avenues for community and connection uh, in this time and a place even to be able to share testimonies of the way that God is at work in our church. I've heard so many testimonies uh, in this time. And so I want to point your attention uh, to kind of a a place where we're going to be trying to gather around the water cooler or gather around the fire pit, if you will. And that's on our Instagram page. And so our Instagram is at Antioch Dallas. And on that page, we're going to start putting out more uh, stories of the ways that God is at work. We're going to try and hang out and have more community there. And so if you're longing for more of a connection, you're in your life group, you're like, man, I'd like to know how our larger church body is doing and see some familiar faces. I want to encourage you to follow us on Instagram. Follow the church on Instagram and let's connect with one another there. I have been a a social media uh, hibernator for the last year or so. Uh, Even though we're entering into a winter, I'm realizing that as uh, a pastor, as a leader, I need to come out of hibernation. And so I'm going to be more active on my Instagram account. I'd love for you to uh, connect with me there just as a way that we can build our relationship, build our relationship as a church and stick together in this time. Uh, The last thing that I want to tell you about today, and there'll be some other things that we're doing uh, that are upcoming, but I want to tell you about this Thursday night, uh, we're going to do Antioch at Home Edition. Uh, A number of you have requested to hear from my wife, Christina. Uh, And so this week, uh, Christina and I are going to be doing the Antioch at Home edition. It's going to be on Thursday night at 8.30 p.m. on our YouTube channel. And we're just going to be sharing a little bit about our lives and what's been going on with us, some things that we sense the Lord speaking to us uh, personally. Um, And over the coming weeks, we'll do some different things in that time frame. But that'll be a way from our living room to yours, uh, a way to connect and just journey in this together. Okay, we, uh, for the last several weeks, we have been in the book of Philippians, and we've just been going through and learning from the Apostle Paul, and really learning from the Holy Spirit, uh, what it looks like to walk with Jesus in trial, what it looks like to walk in the, the grace and the peace that we need to be able to withstand the trial that we're in. What does it look like to do that? And we've been learning a number of lessons along the way. And we're going to pick up another lesson today that I think will help all of us in the week that's ahead to to really find the grace and the peace that we need. Uh, It starts out in Philippians 2 verse 12. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, just to remind you, last week when we left off with this passage, Paul had taken us up the mountain and he proclaimed the majesty of Jesus and Jesus is king and Jesus has humbled himself and he's gone to the cross and he's given his life and he's, uh, God's raised him from the dead and he's ascended to the Father and he's the king over all. Paul took us into that majesty, right? And now he takes us from that place into the big theme of this letter, this invitation to participation. He doesn't leave us just at a place of observation, of just looking at Jesus, but he's saying, hey, there's even more than this that's available to us. As awesome as Jesus is, part of why he's awesome is that he invites you and me into his story, into discipleship, into apprenticeship to him. We get to be a part. We get to participate. And what Christ has given to us is not just an invitation to passivity or an invitation to observing, but he's given us an invitation to participation. And this is what Paul wants the Philippians to know. And this is what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to give us the same invitation in. He's saying, okay, in light of what Jesus has done and how awesome he is, He said, now it's time for us to enter in. It's time for us to participate the way that he uh, the way that he describes it is he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so in light of who Jesus is now, we're invited to participate. And this is one place where I see so many people get hung up. And the ways that we get hung up are twofold. It's kind of like a pendulum. The first way we get hung up is we read this as saying is not continue to work out your salvation, but continue to work for your salvation. And we take it as, okay, we've got to work really hard. I need to pray. I need to go to church. I need to read my Bible. I need to be a good Christian. I know all these things are important. And we've got that mental to-do list of things that we're just trying to get through in order to uh, be approved by God. And that's a trap. That is a toxic trap. That's not what Paul is saying here. He's not saying work for your salvation. He's saying work out your salvation, work from your salvation. Now, the opposite pendulum are folks that we don't want to do the works deal. We don't want to work for our salvation. So we just leave it at Jesus as king, the high point that Paul left us with. And we just kind of drift into passivity at, at it's all the Lord and it's all him. And, and there's no, no part that we have to play. But what Paul is saying is that you and I have a part to play, that we have a response to the grace of God and an invitation to a life with Jesus, not just observing, but participating in an invitation to participation. So he says, I want you to work out your salvation. Now, we are saved by grace, the unmerited favor of God that adopts us into his family. We say that Jesus is full of grace and truth. And we stand in grace as believers. We don't ever graduate from grace. We don't ever move on from grace. Grace is the beginning and the end. But but while grace is opposed to earning, right? You can't earn grace. Grace is unmerited favor. You can't earn it. Grace, as Dallas Willard said, is not opposed to effort, right? Effort and grace actually go together. That's taking the grace of God 
and not letting it be in vain, but saying, I'm going to work out my salvation. I'm going to take the grace that I've been given in Jesus and I'm going to let it impact my life. I'm going to live a life as a disciple. And Paul says, this is what you're to do. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There needs to be a reverence and an honor of, man, I have a part to play and this matters. And I want you to know you matter. And God wants you to know you matter. And there's a part for you to play as you and I work out our salvation together. And he says, he reminds us that it is God who works in us. So there's a call for us to work. And what we find, even as we work, is that God is at work in us. That he's at work in our will. He's reshaping our desires. And he's at work in us through our actions in order to fulfill his good pleasure, to bring him glory. And so Paul is saying, Jesus is king. And so now we want to respond to the grace of God. And we want to work out our salvation. And I want to remind you that God is at work in you. So he's setting it up and then he leans in in verse 14, and he gives this image that just has captured my heart. Uh, Every time I read this passage, I'm just like, there's just something about this image that he, he gives that we have as an opportunity that's before us. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then, this is the image, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. I love that image of shining like stars in the sky. We know that Jesus is the light of the world. And when we come to Christ, when we come into his family, when we are in Christ, that light that Jesus is begins to shine not only in our hearts, but through our lives, into the world around us. And Paul's not speaking some kind of happy, slappy, kumbaya, around a campfire, let your light shine type deal. He's saying Jesus is the light of the world. And when we uh, receive His grace and we begin to work out our salvation, that we have a calling on our lives to shine that light for others into the darkness Around us, you are made to shine in Christ with His light for others. What a high calling. What a high purpose that the Philippians have and that all believers have, that you and I have, that Paul is reminding us that it is when it's dark outside, it is time for us to shine. Not to shine with our own light, but to shine with the light that is Jesus, the light of the world. And he says here, a really important thing for us to know is that there are things that we can do that dim our light, that that, that cloak our light, that filter our light. He lists one. He says, uh, do everything without grumbling or arguing, right? When we grumble, when we argue, he's talking about our speech. When we let our mouths go that way, we dim the light of Christ that's meant to shine through us. Now, as I read this this week, and as, even as I, I preach this right now, how convicting is this? How convicting, particularly in a time of trial, particularly in this monotonous deal where I have always been uh, kind of the person that's always motivated, always has some goals. I don't need a whole lot of like 
outside influence to get me motivated. It's just from the time I was a kid, my mom would have to tell me, you just need to chill out a little bit. Like that's how I've always been. But I found myself in this week of the quarantine being like, I'm struggling to feel motivated. It just feels like we're just slogging through, right? And I know others of you, it just hits at different times of like, oh man. And so it's really easy for me. And I imagine it's really easy for you in that time, in this time that we're in, to complain, to grumble, to feel sorry for ourselves, to to criticize others, to be argumentative, maybe with our our roommates or our spouse or our kids. Uh, That seems really easy right now. Seems like uh, just something that would be uh, so common. It's been so common in me. I just felt so convicted. And I want to take a moment right here that just to say, when we feel conviction from God's word, when the Holy Spirit brings conviction into our lives, it's not meant to condemn us and just make us feel bad and be like, I need to strap it up and, you know, kind of do a better job this week. No, when we feel conviction, what we're called to respond to is confession and repentance. Confession is acknowledging, yes, I have been doing this. And repentance is calling it wrong and turning and saying, I'm going to go by the grace of God. I'm going to go a new direction. And this is such a powerful practice, the practice of confession and repentance when there is conviction from the word of God. We were on one of our prayer calls last week and uh, our noon prayer hour. And the person leading us said, hey, we're just going to take time to confess our sin right now. And the people on the call, you could tell it was a little awkward. You could tell, oh, are we really going to do that? Because who likes to confess their sin? Like, I don't like to, you know, who likes to do that, right? Uh, but, but the person let out, and then we engaged, and I engaged, and others engaged, and we just began to confess our sin before the Lord and to repent. And in that moment, there was such a fresh sense of God's presence. There was such a fresh sense of the light of Christ in our hearts and shining through us. And so what I want to lead you in in this time right here is for us to actually put this into practice. Because I believe that as we confess our sin and as we repent before the Lord, that He's going to meet with us in a fresh way. And so in just a moment, I want you to press pause and I want you to get down on your knees. Uh, I, I can't get down on my knees right here or the camera would lose me, but I want you to get down on your knees in a sign of humility to posture your heart before the Lord. And I know everything in you right now wants to fast forward beyond this. I know everything in you wants to just stay on the couch and be like, you know, I know that's good, but I don't really feel like it now. But but let's go. Let's participate with the grace of God. Let's work out our salvation together. So let's get up off the couch, avoid the temptation of the fast forward button. Let's get down on our knees. If you are a dad, What an opportunity to lead your family right now. If you're a mom, what an opportunity to lead your family right now, uh, just to to enter in. If you're with your roommates, get down on your knees together, and we're going to take time right now to confess sin. So here's what we do. This is how we confess. We say, Lord, I just confess that this week I have had a grumbling attitude in my heart in so many situations. God, and I confess that I've been argumentative uh, with my wife and my kids, and I've just felt this angst inside of me. 
Lord, and I just confess that to you, Lord, and I repent, Lord. I agree that this is wrong, that it dims your light uh, flowing through me, that it doesn't represent you well, Lord, and I ask that you would forgive me. And I just choose by the grace of God this week, Lord, that I want to choose to go a different way that I want to choose not to grumble. I want to choose not to argue. I'm going to choose not to complain so that I can let your light shine through me like, like is so important, Lord. Please help me, God. I set my will, but I need your power and your grace to help me. In Jesus' name. So that's an example of confession. Now, when you do this, I encourage you to take what the Word says, grumbling and arguing, but be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because there are other things that He might highlight as you go. And I just encourage you, let's clean out the closet right now and let's let the grace of God come in and renew us and restore us afresh. So hit pause right now. Okay, this is one way that we can shine is through confession and repentance and watching our speech. Uh, Paul goes in to give us another example I don't know about you, but I'm a person that learns by example, so I'm so thankful for examples and scripture of what this looks like. And he gives us enough, gives us two examples of what this invitation to participation looks like. He's referencing them for the Philippians, and they're important for us as well. The first person that he references is Timothy, one of Paul's partners in ministry in Philippians 2, 19 through 24. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. So he's going to send Timothy to him. But look what he says. He says, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not the interests of Jesus. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served me in the work of the gospel. So I love this. He's talking about Timothy and he's saying, Timothy has this heart to love God. He has concern for Jesus. He has concern for people. And the way that light shines through him, he says, is in the way that Timothy has served. Timothy has served Paul and Paul is confident that Timothy is going to go serve them. And here we see a second way that we can let Christ's light shine through us. First way is watching our speech. The second way is through serving. As we serve our, our, the people living with us, or if you're alone, uh, the, the people that you're connected with, uh, as we serve our coworkers, as we serve our neighbors, as we tangibly do things to serve people, this is how we shine the light of King Jesus, who we know has a servant's heart. So a second challenge that I want to give to you this week is I want to challenge you to serve somebody. I want to challenge you to serve in your house. I want to challenge you to serve in your workplace. I want to challenge you this week when it feels like, man, I just feel low motivation. I don't know how I can keep doing this. This is frustrating or scary or discouraging. I wanted you to choose in that moment to say, I'm going to look for someone that I can serve. Because as we serve, that's when the light of Christ shines through us. And then the last thing that Paul mentions, he holds up another gentleman uh, by the name of Epaphroditus. Now, a lot of people named Timothy, not a whole lot of people taking the name Epaphroditus. So if you're pregnant out there and thinking about a name for a child, maybe you could bust that one out. 
Philippians 2.25, he says, But I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my co-worker, my fellow soldier, who is also your messenger. Now note this clause, whom you sent to take care of my needs. The Philippians had sent Paul some financial resources uh, to help him in his time of imprisonment. And Epaphroditus had faithfully brought that money and given it to Paul, Paul tells us in chapter 4. And I was thinking about this, that Epaphroditus would have had every opportunity, once he received that money, to go and do whatever he wanted with it. He'd had an opportunity to pocket some of it. He could have, he could have done all sorts of things with it. But there was a stewardship of realizing this was the Lord's money given through the Philippians to serve another person, the Apostle Paul. And so he stewarded that money and faithfully brought it to Paul. And now Paul is commending him. And that's the third challenge that I have for you this week is we shine the light of Christ through us. The way we participate with the grace of God. We watch our speech. We choose to serve and we choose to steward the resources that God has given us, not according to our own kind of thoughts and plans, but prayerfully. We use the resources that we've been given to serve God's purposes. And so this week when you're feeling like, I don't really know what to do and I'm out of gas and this is so frustrating, I want you to look for an opportunity with the resources you've been given to ask the Lord, hey, Lord, how do you want me to steward this? Maybe it's time, maybe it's finances, maybe it's something else. I've heard of so many acts of generosity, and we as a church have been trying to give to people, help people in need, uh, collectively, individually. I love it. I'm so proud of you. And I want to encourage us and challenge us to continue to look to steward the resources that we have uh, in line with Jesus' purposes. So we're going to watch our speech. We are going to um, serve one another. We're going to steward our resources for the glory of God. And as we do this, we're responding to that invitation to participation, and we're going to let the light of Christ shine through us this week. I love you, church, and I'm excited to see what God does in your life this week. Wow, church, I hope that you were encouraged by the word of God today. It is now time uh, for us to say our declaration. Our declaration is based off of Isaiah 61, and it goes through who Jesus is, what he does in us, and what he does through us. So at the count of three, would you say the declaration with me out loud? One, two, three. Jesus is the bread of life, and that means He is good news for our poverty, healing for our brokenness, liberty for our bondage, favor for our world, victory over our darkness, comfort for our sorrow, and provision for our need. As such, we are called to be sons and daughters who encounter Jesus. He is at work in our lives, transforming our ashes into beauty, mourning into joy, despair into hope, and building us into oaks of righteousness planted by God to display His splendor. As such, we practice His ways that we might grow vibrant like oak trees. He is at work through us to see people who have been stranded by sin rescued to life and liberty in Christ. As such, We desire to leverage our lives to see His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. 
Amen. Church, we are praying big prayers for you as together we persevere in this time and in this season. We love you. Go in peace.